From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence, powered by the research of Talkers Magazine, The National Conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Happy New Year, everyone. Monday, January 3rd through Friday, January 7th, 2022. The first full week of the third year of the third decade of the 21st century. Ring out the old. Ring in the old. Welcome to the new abnormal. It was a week highlighted by a giant surge in Omicron and the painful first anniversary of a date now commonly referred to in the media as 1-6. Major snowstorms have rocked the nation. I-95 was shut down for more than a day. We're fighting over voting rights, wrestling with big tech, social media platform, political bias, problems with our international frenemies. And we've got a couple of sex scandals brewing in the world of the rich and famous. Who could ask for more? We're about to embark upon an hour of Black Belt Talk Radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties. We've got righties. We've got fence-sitters. Don't get angry. Just listen closely and always maintain a degree of educated skepticism, even when you agree. We'll be joined by Kevin Casey in Massachusetts, Harry Hurley in Atlantic City, Dr. Dahlia Wax in Las Vegas, Scott Sands in Toledo, Danny Lipford in Mobile, and Victoria Jones in Washington, D.C. It's the power-packed weekend news talk radio show featuring opinionated yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations as well as the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do their daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Wrap, heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations across the U.S. and the U.K. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information's gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. This installment of the Michael Harrison Rap is being brought to you in part by the legendary rock band Gun Hill Road and their emotionally touching song and video about animal welfare. Check it out on YouTube at IKnowYouAreReal.com. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week. Thanks, Michael. At number 10 this week, the Ghislaine Maxwell case tied with the Prince Andrew sex scandal. Both are connected to their relationships with the late Jeffrey Epstein. Defense attorneys for Ghislaine Maxwell said the convicted sex trafficker should get a new trial after a juror revealed that he was a victim of sexual abuse as a child. 
We shall see where that leads. And British Prince Andrew is on the hot seat. A secret settlement agreement between Jeffrey Epstein and one of his accusers was unsealed Monday, playing a role in a sex abuse lawsuit against Prince Andrew. Virginia Joffrey is suing the royal, claiming he sexually abused her three times in three different places when she was just 17. And you know what I mean. At number nine, the relationship between social media and the First Amendment. Social media is constantly in the news on two fronts. And it looks like we have more in store for 2022. Privacy concerns and alleged abridgment of the Constitution's protection of free speech. Although the big platforms say they're weeding out misinformation, their track record of doing so continues to indicate bias against conservative viewpoints. At number eight, U.S. relations with China and Russia. As we enter the new year, tensions with China continue to flare on the Hong Kong and Taiwan fronts. And economically, the trouble facing Evergrande and the Chinese economy has the potential of negatively impacting world markets. Meantime, Putin has sent troops into Kazakhstan under the guise of extinguishing fires as that former Soviet Republic joins Ukraine in feeling increased Russian military pressure and the world watches with growing unease. And number seven crime and violence. Nothing new on this front as we roll into the new year. Our major urban centers continue to be plagued by street crime, gun violence, vandalism, shoplifting, homelessness, and drug deals. At number six, a tie between voter legislation and race relations. Voter legislation on both the state and federal levels has become the driving force in fueling the racial tension that continues to be flaring in America. The president and vice president say they'll visit Atlanta next Tuesday to talk about passing new voting and election standards to counterbalance red states' increasing stringency. But such legislation stalled in the Senate, with Republicans using the filibuster to block debate and a 50-member Democratic majority unable to reach agreement on how to change Senate rules so that the Legislation can pass by a simple majority vote. At number five, a tie between winter weather and climate change. The weather turned ugly this week in much of the country, with heavy snowfall seriously adding to travelers' woes. Of course, all instances of aberrant weather fuel discussion of climate change. At the time we're producing this show on Friday, more than 83 million people across the nation are under some kind of winter alert. The I-95 corridor that runs up and down the East Coast has been particularly hard hit, causing tremendous problems for drivers through the nation's capital in Northern Virginia. At number four, the 2022 midterm elections and Donald Trump's role in the GOP. Well, here we are. 2022 and the midterm elections no longer seem far off. Meantime, questions still abound as to whether Donald Trump will run in 2024 or will be satisfied with his role of being the Republican Party kingmaker. No matter how you slice it, the former president remains a major force on the political scene. At number three, the economy with a focus on inflation, the supply chain, the labor shortage and the housing market. As the saying goes, it's the economy, stupid. And the economy remains uncertain in the wake of turbulent news and events taking place as we begin 2022. Perhaps we should begin calling our current situation the new abnormal. At number two, the January 6th anniversary and investigation. The nation marked the first anniversary this week of the January 6th violence at the Capitol, and we are perhaps more divided on the issue than ever. One of the main news events of the week was a speech by President Biden directly targeting former President Trump as the cause of the trouble as the Congressional Special Committee continues to gather evidence for its case and the Democrats fight the clock to be able to make it stick. And at number one this week, the COVID-19 Omicron surge, vaccines, boosters and politics. 
The Omicron variant began to rage this week as more and more people have contracted the virus, disrupting businesses and creating huge problems for schools that are desperately trying to restore in-classroom learning. The silver lining in this is it seems Omicron is relatively milder than its COVID-19 predecessors, sparing the lungs. And medical authorities, although not certain, are hoping it speeds up natural immunity among the population. We can only hope. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Let's kick off the interview segment of the program with a visit to Atlantic City, New Jersey, and a conversation with one of the Garden State's favorite sons, the morning host of our affiliate WPG in Atlantic City, Harry Hurley. Michael, ready to go. It's interesting. Brand new year, but same old stuff. We're right in it. Yeah, we are. Neck deep in it. COVID-19 is still around. Omicron, what do we have, a million cases a day right now? Uh, Serious times, my friend. Yeah, it has uh, affected us at Talkers and here at the the Michael Harrison Rap, and I'm sure it's affected you at the station and um, a lot of folks, uh, you know, in our lives. Um, The the good news seems to be, and um, I'll be talking later in the program with our um, medical correspondent, Dr. Dahlia Wax, but it seems to me that even though this thing is highly, highly, highly contagious, way more than anything we've had before, and, um, you know, it, it's still a work in progress, uh, that it's it's milder, which is not to underplay it's the importance of staying safe or um, uh, empathy for, for those that are suffering from it. But it, it seems milder. And uh, what's your observation? Uh, it seems milder because it is. And like you, I have the privilege of interviewing all the national doctors on the topic. Uh, everyone agrees it's much more contagious so more people will get it, but less people will die. Less people will be very sick. Some will not even know they ever had it, but of course will be contagious for a period. That's why I believe CDC was right. Now they're sort of mucking it up a little bit. I think they were right with the changes that they made because we have to get this pandemic to endemic stage. We're going to have to live with it. It's not going to be cured. It's going to be managed. Uh, I agree with your approach over the last two years. I have taken the same approach. We have treated COVID-19 with respect and very, very seriously. But if you're vaccinated and you're boosted right now, you have a very, very high likelihood. I mean, one of the doctors calls it almost 100% that you will have a good result should you be infected. And one last comment, and then we'll turn it back to you, Michael, is remember when it used to be, I don't know anyone who has COVID-19. Now it is, I don't know anyone who doesn't know someone, and it's typically someone very close to them that has had or has right now COVID-19. Well, that's, a, that's an excellent first-hand observation, and you're absolutely right. Um, the odds are anybody you talk to has somebody close to them who has this. Now, you're in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and um, you know we, we often talk to uh, you know the aforementioned Dr. Dahlia Wax. She's in Las Vegas, Nevada. And what do those two places have in common? Well, it's obvious. They're, they're centers of hospitality, of the hospitality industry. Of course, Las Vegas is in a climate that's always kind of warm. Uh, how does the winter affect Atlantic City? And then on top of it, how is this COVID outbreak affecting the culture and economy of your town? Well, I'm a big believer that past is prologue. So we know every winter we have a severe wave. We're in the middle of a wave right now. I hope we play like it did in South Africa, where it was extremely 
contagious, and the outbreak was unbelievable, but it went away very quickly. I think we're either at the peak or maybe even a little past the peak, and we will start to have fewer cases. And then maybe this is a blessing in disguise. I'm not qualified medically to say this, but perhaps if enough people become infected and create these antibodies, maybe this thing gets us to the endemic phase. Because after all, we did in 1918, we did have the Roaring Twenties. I believe we're going to have the Roaring Twenties in our century. Mm -hmm. When you say endemic, what does that exactly mean? Endemic means it's around, like the flu, people get it, people will die from it, but not many. Uh, But it's just something, there's never been a coronavirus in the history of the world that's ever been cured. Uh, People don't realize this. The pandemic of 1918, that dreaded beast of a virus still exists today and does occasionally infect people. Most people through bloodline have developed immunity from it, but it's still there. So we're never going to be gone. It's never going to be gone. We're going to learn how to live with it. One of the major issues this week, aside from COVID, which permeates everything, has been the the, the anniversary of 1-6 and um, the connection of people like Sean Hannity to it. What are your thoughts as we have the first anniversary of this still heated, controversial, and disturbing situation? Well, I'm outraged by it. You know, and Sean's a friend and a colleague, and he's in the media, and it's crossing the line. The The government, a committee, commission, they have no right to ask a member of the media to volunteer and appear before us and cooperate. Because you know what they're saying. It's almost uh, like Beria, uh, Stalin's henchman. Show me the man, I'll show you the crime. We ask Hannity to volunteer and come. And I'm ashamed of Liz Cheney for doing this in particular. Shame on her. Uh, you, You ask a man to come and volunteer, and if he doesn't, then they make him look like a wrongdoer, which we know Sean is not. I hope Sean gives them no time for this. They don't have the right to call him, and I'm outraged that they even tried. And this commission has been leaking bad stuff from the beginning. It's political. It's not real. What about the um, the non-political aspects of it? Do you think that this is going to be a long-term wedge in terms of keeping the country divided? Will we get over this? How do you feel it's going to play out? Well, here's how it's going to play out. They'll issue some kind of report. They, the Democrats have a very bad hand right now in the midterm election year. They're going to lose the House. Republicans will pick up anywhere from a minimum of 28 seats to as many as 60 low. It's going to be a wipeout. The Senate will probably switch, but that's more in doubt and, and could, could stay equally divided or, or stay in, in the hands of Democrats. I, I tend to think that it's going to be a wave election and that Republicans will win both. And the reason I bring that up, when you don't, what do they say about an attorney? When the attorney has the facts, they pound the facts. When they don't have the facts, they pound the table. The Democrats need a distraction, and this January 6th commission is it. It, it was a riot It was not an insurrection, and they were very quiet while America was on fire, and people were hurting cops and breaking things and keeping people from even being able to come into their own homes and businesses and would have to pay gangsters to try to get past the barricades, chop, jazz, summer love. You know it all, Michael. So I think this is a wedge issue that peters out, and when change happens at the election box, It'll be a different atmosphere. We'll still be divided, though. We're always going to be divided. I, I said at the time of September 11th, 2001, 
that that's the last time that America will ever be united again. That's the morning talk show host heard daily on our affiliate in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Harry Hurley of WPG. Coming up next, the latest on the Omicron surge that's wreaking havoc on the nation. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. Great bands of the golden age of album rock, Gun Hill Road, has been around for more than 50 years. The members of Gun Hill Road are Steve Goldrich, Paul Reich, Glenn Leopold, Brian Coonan, and yours truly, Michael Harrison. I wrote the lyrics to a song on our new album, What Year Is This? It's titled, I Know You're Real. It's about the relationship between human beings and our friends in the animal kingdom. I know you're real, I know you're Take a moment to write down the following web address to see the music video of this inspirational song that contains some wonderful animal images that'll rock your heart and soothe your soul. Here's the address. Write it down. I know you are real.com. That's I know you are real.com. If you love animals, you'll feel real good after seeing this video. I know you are real.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap. Let's take a trip to Las Vegas, Nevada, and visit with our medical correspondent. She's a nationally respected physician who hosts a daily radio show heard across America on the Genesis Communications Network, Dr. Dahlia Wax. I get the feeling this past week that this is the week that um, COVID-19 came to everybody. It's the last seven days everybody I know and their mother and dog have gotten COVID. Mm. And even if they didn't test positive, they have the hoarseness to their voice. They have the sore throat. They have the runny nose. They have the cough. You see it in in broadcasters. You you see it on TV and, and you know, people have been out. We see it, you know, with flights and, and lack of crew. So I think something just came to a head this week and it just exploded across the country. Do you think that this is in some way a blessing in disguise and that all of these people with mild symptoms, some of which they don't even know uh, that they have it, can lead to an increased natural immunity? Absolutely. You and I have spoken about this, how, you know, the artificial immunity from vaccines is life saving, but it's only one small piece. Nothing can mimic natural immunity. And so us getting COVID naturally, even though I wouldn't wish this on anybody, you don't want to be exposed to a virus. You don't have to. But the silver lining to it is then our body will be able to pick up the natural nuances that a vaccine cannot replicate. The problem is, is my optimism has started to drop. A couple weeks ago, I thought Omicron would be the savior that would help put an end to this pandemic. And the reason why I thought that is because vaccinated individuals were the highest number of people getting Omicron. Now we're seeing people who have recovered from Delta get Omicron, which means if you had natural COVID, looks like you didn't get the long-term natural immunity, which we had hoped for. So I now believe that Omicron might not end the pandemic, but Omicron may just be a testament to the fact that we are going to have yearly 
COVID, at, just like flu and colds. Is there the fear that another variant or, uh, or as this evolves um, could be worse than Omicron? We are hoping that any new variant will be less severe because we'll all have had either artificial or natural immunity. But these mutations keep coming. And so it's really a crapshoot. Um, I'm hoping it gets milder and milder, but at this point, we just can't guess. What's the latest with the tests? We're noticing that some of the sensitivities are failing us, at, you know, to the degree that we need them to with the home tests. Many of the patients that have called in throughout the country um, have said that their first COVID test was negative, but when they retested a week later, they came up positive. Well, that's a problem because with our therapeutics that we now have with Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, which hopefully will be in pharmacy soon, we need to institute those within days of you testing positive. So if you don't test positive till a week later, uh, then how do we time you being on therapeutics? And so our sensitivity is not as strong as we need it to be. However, if somebody does test positive for COVID, you could trust you have COVID. What about the therapeutics now, um, the state of ivermectin and, and all the others? Uh, what, what's your view of this? Each day we get more information on whether it's ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, Viagra. Viagra apparently pulled a UK nurse out of being the brink of death when she was in a clinical trial with Viagra. And so we are finding that the repurposing of current medications um, for their anti-inflammatory role of COVID could be the next big you know, therapeutic wave and, and, and savior, shall we say, in terms of fighting the COVID pandemic. The problem is, is there's too many legalities and the FDA will not approve any of these because they would have to vet them for years and years of side effects or drug interactions. And so they're still on hold. So while we're waiting for Pfizer and Merck to mass produce the emergency authorized FDA approved drug, people are still calling in daily saying, why can't I take some ivermectin? And so we, we have, um, you know, sadly, some very, very frustrated Americans out there who want to treat now because we're not going to be getting in the therapeutics before they get over their COVID illness. Is there any kind of study or capability? I, I, this is the first I had heard about the Viagra thing, that because um, obviously there are records of who's, who's taking Viagra, and then there'd be a way to cross-reference that with who has come down with COVID. Uh, aside from this uh, one story you talked about, um, is there any way that that could be checked in a, on, a, on a large level as, as to a correlation between Viagra users and um, people who have COVID? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and now people are bragging on social media, they're on Viagra. So, I mean, you know, we could have a lot of, you know, amateur studies done. There are clinical trials. There have been clinical trials with Viagra because Viagra in and of itself was a repurposed drug. Viagra was designed for pulmonary hypertension. It was not designed to be an erectile dysfunction drug. And they found, wow, Look at what it does. Mm. And so we've known that Viagra, the phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors, help improve blood flow to damaged organs, such as lungs, and they're finding an anti-inflammatory component to it. So Viagra has been studied since the beginning of the pandemic, just we haven't had many clinical trials because there hasn't been a lot of funding and a lot of support for it. So, um, but I think that's going to be fascinating because Viagra is one of the most ubiquitous used drugs right now, and it'll be very interesting to see who fared better because they were using Viagra. What about uh, Viagra, other other drugs for ED, uh, such as Cialis and, and, and uh, generics? Um, are they different or, or are they all basically under the same umbrella? 
they should be under the same umbrella. I haven't seen a specific clinical trial yet. I'm only, I've only seen a couple for sildenafil, which is in Viagra, so I haven't seen it for Cialis. But, but the medications work similarly in terms of you know, helping improve blood flow. And so if an organ is damaged from COVID and hypoxic, you know, could a daily dose of Viagra work? It's not anything we can obviously purport or suggest on the show, but it is something that is being investigated and it's fascinating science because, you know, it's a it's a fun drug and it's going to be a fun headline, especially for us in broadcasting. That's our medical correspondent and nationally syndicated talk show host, heard daily on the Genesis Communications Network, Dr. Dahlia Wax. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. I had the opportunity to be interviewed this past Thursday, the first anniversary of what's now being referred to in the media as 1-6, by the very popular afternoon talk show host on WSPD Toledo, Scott Sands. Here's a clip of that conversation on his show. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do this week, we did it last year as well, uh, was look at the role talk radio played in the year, some of the bigger stories on talk radio, what we might expect in the upcoming year. Uh, Michael Harrison, the editor, the founder of Talkers.com, which we all in the industry uh, consider to be the Bible of talk radio. Uh, and when I when I was looking back on the year, I mean, the first thing that, that we looked at, and I, I even went back and looked on the date that, that Michael was on in January last year, and it was January 4th or January 5th, the, the day before the violence at the Capitol. Uh, and obviously, one of the bigger stories of the year was the role, role talk radio played uh, after the election and after the inauguration and on January 6th. But I, I don't think that I, I would have expected then that the influence talk radio played would have also included texts from a nationally syndicated talk radio host to the White House as the violence at the Capitol was unfolding. And, of course, I'm talking about subpoenaed text messages now uh, that we're now learning about from Sean Hannity. Michael Harrison from Talkers.com is joining us on the Scott Sancho. Michael, Happy New Year. It's great to have you back on. Thank you for having me, and Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. You know, in a way, we're lucky that um, uh, Sean is uh, now in the news with the text. Otherwise, with me being on your show on the 4th and the 5th, clearly they would have traced <laughs> the origins of 162 to our appearance together on the radio. There's no question in my mind. You know, we, we, we talked about that last year. I, I remember about about what role talk radio would play uh, after Trump left office, because at the time, of course, the inauguration had not taken place yet. Trump was still in office for another three weeks, and, and we talked about the role that, that talk radio had played during the Trump presidency, during the, the election year, and, and how talk radio would react to the first year of, of a President Biden. And, and I, I think that we've, we've seen talk radio continue in the way that it ha always has, and that's uh, in many ways continuing to forward free speech and, 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 and the Bill of Rights and, and constitutional beliefs, but uh, remaining critical of, of, of bad governance, no matter who the party in charge is. Well, that's the idea. The idea is to is to hold their feet to the fire and, and not sell your soul to any politician or to any government. You can criticize them and you can support different uh, issues. But I think the ideal is for talk radio to remain basically critical at its heart of any powers that 
be. And, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned what would talk radio and what would the world be like after Trump. Trump is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, he, he didn't disappear. <laughs> he's, he, he's sort of like the leader of the opposition now. He, he just changed his office. Um, but he, 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 unlike most presidents that lose after a first term or after they've served a couple, they kind of fade off into retirement. They become yesterday's news in about 30 seconds. Uh, Trump hasn't done that, whether you like him or hate him. He's been tremendous copy, if you will, for the media. And uh, frankly, the media likes to talk about Trump. So he's still a player. And now he's uh, on the outside uh, as opposed to the inside. He's playing, uh, you know, offense as opposed to defense. But it's the same. Things haven't changed all that much. Would you agree? Uh, and, and, and in fact, uh, I mean, it's it's he is so top of mind that that the current sitting president, Joe Biden, spent uh, an entire speech today from his bully pulpit, uh, essentially pointing the finger and criticizing in a very fiery manner everything that he sees wrong with the country today as the, the fault of Donald Trump. And something that I, I don't think was needed. Uh, he's got plenty of, of Democratic operatives who could have had that same attack speech against President Trump. For the, the president to be so divisive, I, I think, is bad for the country. Whether you like Joe Biden or not, I don't think that that accomplished much when when you see all of the other problems that we've got in the country today, uh, just a, a non-necessary waste of time and energy from President Biden. Of course, the people who, who are anti-Trump don't see it that way. They see the existence of Trump uh, in the national conversation. And I'm talking to you at this point as unbiased as I possibly could be, because that's my role as the publisher of Talkers. I could never publish a, uh, a, a uh, journal of its magnitude at this point in a field like this, unless we try not to be partisan, other than our support of the First Amendment. There are those out there saying it's about time that Biden um, directed comments to Trump. So the divisiveness remains no matter how you slice it, and it's going to stay with us for a long, long time. Um, as far as Trump and the GOP is concerned, it'll be interesting to see how the 22 elections go and what his clout will be going into 24. I personally don't think Biden is going to run in 24. If he does, um, it'll be very interesting to, who, to see who is vice president. Here's an interesting one for you. Right, right. How about a Biden-Hillary Clinton ticket? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, that's that's not without uh, the realm of possibility, especially when you see Kamala Harris's popularity numbers continuing to decline faster than some of my stock holdings do. So that's entirely possible and would put her in the position of power that she's always wanted, especially with a continuing to age Joe Biden there. Not that not that Hillary is getting any younger either. Well, I throw it out. I throw it out only as a provocative thought um, based on my my own experience in life that sometimes somebody who's uh, considered old and washed up. Look at Nixon. <laughs> Nobody would have ever believed that Nixon would recover from the, the 1960 loss and then the 62 gubernatorial loss. And then a lot of the things he said to suddenly come back in 68 and win the presidency. Um, anything can happen in these times. And uh, and that's as far as I'll take it. Right. I'm only talking about it as a hypothetical. And, and I also don't think that that president trump will will jump back in i i think he will relish the role of being kingmaker for the next generation of 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 america first conservatives i i think trump will relish that role and and in fact we're, we're seeing his influence play out going into the midterms because the trump media company in whatever iteration it forms will I, i'm told be live and active by the end of q1 this year so we'll see the new Trump social media. We'll see Trump video. We'll we'll probably see Trump 
podcasts and audio of some form and uh, a new way for Trump's message to reach his constituents, his voter base, his supporters on a daily basis. Yeah, and for, you know, for a guy who likes attention, he's going to be a pig in you-know-what as we go forward with all of that. Because social media, you know, aside from 1-6 and aside from um, the, the, the direct partisan conflicts that we're living through right now, um, social media and the First Amendment, major topic that we've been talking about in talk radio and will continue to, you know, the power of Twitter, the power of YouTube, the power of Instagram, the power of Facebook, um, you know, how do we control? them? Should we control them? Where does free speech begin? Where does it end? Um, are they monopolies? Are, uh, should there be antitrust laws? Um, there's so much going on in terms of the changing technology and communications and how we interpret the First Amendment. I personally believe that the First Amendment is the absolute foundation upon which a free democracy, a truly free country, liberty, if you will, America, it's based upon the First Amendment being healthy and uh, being vital. Michael Harrison, the founder of Talkers.com, uh, which is one of the greatest First Amendment advocates we have in in this industry right now. That's a clip of WSPD Toledo afternoon talk show host Scott Sands interviewing me on his show this past Thursday. Coming up next, a look at the turbulent economy from the perspective of the real estate market. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public. G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis. In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit Genesis2Project.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week and the national conversation. The economy was the third most talked about topic on talk shows in America this past week. We decided to cover it with something a bit different that I'm sure many of you will find interesting and valuable. A significant number of Americans have their major assets tied up in their houses and real estate or are looking to get into home ownership, which is hot in the midst of the current inflation. I spoke with nationally syndicated radio and TV talk show host Danny Lipford of Today's Homeowner. He's the leading talk media host in America in the fields of home improvement and home maintenance. You have to be very, very careful to make sure you're buying a home. That, um, and my best advice is to buy a home that has the fewest number 
of owners as possible because each person that comes in want to put well, you know wants to put their own stamp on it and that stamp might not be um, as uh, solid as you would like you as somebody who is in the contracting business on such a mega level of dealing with it publicly and in, in the media uh, obviously have your finger on the pulse of a lot of these issues uh, one of the current concerns in terms of politics and the economy are the supply chain issues that we're dealing with I'd imagine that 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 as I said you're right on top of that because it affects your field tr- directly, doesn't it? it? It absolutely does, and it completely has changed the way business is being done. I know um, I still actually own my construction company. This is my 43rd year in business. I'm, I'm just not able to be there side-by-side side with them, of course, with my, my media company. And But I'm here from them about some of the things they're doing where, you know, this project's complete except this door and this piece of trim and, you know, this window. And so it may sit there for three months before they're able to go back and completely finish the project. So the way contracts are written written, and the way, you know, you have to, you know, make everybody aware, hey, this is not us. We're doing everything we possibly can. And also, Michael, the thing that we got real, all of us as a, um, as a, as a country got really spoiled by getting things so quickly. I mean, to be able to go online and you have it in your, you know, sitting um, in your shop uh, two or three days later, hey, hey, that's the way it's going to be from this point forward. Then all of a sudden we took this gigantic step back and the uncertainty on some of these projects um, makes um, the guys on the construction company go, okay, look, we've got to get everything here before we start anything because this one part here within this kitchen or bathroom or deck going to hold up everything else. So we got to get at least this amount of the materials in before we're going to come over and start. And that's best for everybody. But sometimes, you know, people get really anxious and they've got their plans and they've got their price and their contract and they're ready to go. But you have to put the brakes on and say, it's going to be better if we just wait until everything ends. So it's a, it's a severe thing. I absolutely am baffled at how it's gotten to this position and into this condition. And as I mentioned earlier with the skilled labor issue, it will get corrected. But unfortunately, I think it's going to take a little time. And you are in business, in that business as well as media, then you still do have an interest in, in an actual construction company or, or uh, contracting company. I, I wasn't sure of that. Yes. Uh, well, a lot of people don't realize it because, again, I'm not able to be out, out there. I'm not out on the jobs and things. I have a gentleman that's a, my general manager there has been with me for 32 years and a production manager been with me 24 years, and they are doing extremely well. And as they like to say, we should have kicked you to the curb years ago. No, that's not very nice, but that's what they say. <laughs> so so in, in conclusion, uh, you are uh, both in the media business and you are directly in a business that is right at the heart of all of our economic issues. What's your take on these current times? Um, are you optimistic, pessimistic? Where do you think we're going? And what thoughts do you have on the big picture of our economy? Well, I'll tell you, Michael, I think, um, you know, the home is the center of family life. And at some point, and it's, I think it's headed in a good direction. I've always been quite the optimist. Um, the competition out there amongst all of the manufacturers will straighten out these issues as far as the supply chain. Um, those organizations such as the Home Builders Association nationally, they'll figure out the skilled trade thing. They, they went through this about 20 years ago and they really supported the vocational schools. So it takes a little while to get everybody in the pipeline, but they're showing and they're doing a lot of 
marketing and PR showing individuals that are in you know, 10th grade in high school, hey, here, here could be your future. So that's ramping up. The colleges are ramping up a little bit in their vocational programs. So I think all of this, I think we have seen the bottom. I think where we're going right now, where the supply chain is going to be improved, competition is going to drive the cost down more, we're going to get those skilled people in here. And because we have spent so much time at home, our passion for the home and our passion for those improvements and making this environment, this is, you know, you can, you, all of us can affect our environment in general. But when you're talking about your home environment and where you live and sleep and, and prepare those meals, that is one environment that you can truly make it your own. And that will never get old, and I think that will drive the recovery that we're needing so badly right now in the country. That's Danny Lipford, host of the nationally syndicated Today's Homeowner radio and TV shows. The conversation you just heard was excerpted from a much longer dialogue I had with Danny on my weekly podcast. It'll be posted this coming Tuesday morning at mhinterview.com. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. We've got time for one more. We're joined now by our Washington correspondent and executive director of the D.C. Radio Company, an international woman indeed, Victoria Jones. So it seems that uh, Prince Andrew's problems in terms of sexual scandal and uh, potential uh, trials and all of that stuff uh, is on the front burner now. What's going on? What's going on is that Prince Andrew is potentially facing a sex abuse trial in a court in the United States. And that is a real problem for him. I bet it is. It'd be a problem for anyone. How um, can that happen? Can a royal actually be faced with having to appear and be tried in a court in another country? This is a fascinating question. I mean, can they actually get him out of the United Kingdom? He's already run around the United Kingdom dodging being served with papers, which has been an extraordinary spectacle sort of off camera, which uh, British people have been laughing at. Um, So he's already an object of scorn, I have to tell you, in the UK. So he's lost the court of public opinion. That's one trial he's already lost. And how will this impact the monarchy? Long term, I don't think it will affect it too much. I mean, there have been some pretty appalling people um, in the monarchy. You know, um, I mean, there's, there was one king who uh, is supposed to have murdered his two nephews in the Tower of London, although that's now disputed. So, And he got away with it. So if you can get away with things like that, you can potentially get away with this. But his, uh, Prince Andrew's mother, the queen, has her platinum jubilee year this year. That means she's 70 years on the throne, the longest of any British monarch. This casts a real pall over that. 70 years of putting up with embarrassment by other members of her family, huh? Awful. Amazing. Um, I can't imagine the monarchy existing for very long in the modern era with a cast of characters that are so unroyal other than Elizabeth II. Um, I can't imagine it surviving for very long past her reign. This is the big question, I think, for many, many British people, and it will be much discussed when she dies. Can Prince Charles, who will become king, and whether he will be King Charles or whether he chooses a different name, 
can he carry this off? A lot of people, of course, want to see his son as king. That won't happen. Charles intends to be king. And he'll probably, like his uh, mother and his uh, grandmother, live uh, for uh, all the way into his hundreds. <laughs> it's certainly possible genetically. Yes, it absolutely is. This is a long-lived family. So, But, you know, the British people do tend to rally, particularly if they see that somebody is for them. So they may well rally, but a lot of it is going to come down to young people. If young people don't feel it, then then all is lost. Let's switch gears. You're in the nation's capital, and there's been a lot of uh, snowfall there. Uh, what's your take on what happened on I-95? That's got to be a major story in the nation's capital. It's a major story in the nation's capital. And really, this is a major story for the country, I-95, leaving the nation's capital, going down into Virginia, is one of the most traveled roads in the country. And it's one of the most important roads in the country. And from a national security point of view, it's terribly important. And so when some snow causes the, and some jackknife trucks, which is what started the whole thing, causes the entire thing to shut down for over 27 hours overnight, then you've got a problem because it means, suppose somebody decided to do this deliberately with nefarious intent, what could that do to the nation's capital? Yeah, absolutely. I, I understand um, Senator uh, Kane was uh, was trapped in that mess for um, over 24 hours. Yeah, Senator Tim Kane was on his way to the nation's capital from Richmond, where he lives, um, for, a, for a Voting Rights Act uh, debate. And he got stuck there for 27 hours. He had a couple of cups of coffee and I think a, a, a Dr. Pepper, all of which he bought in, in one gas station. That's what he had. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was going from car to car like everybody else was. People were really helping each other. Nevertheless, they were stuck. And it's, 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 a, it's a debacle. There have been a number of articles in various publications and people have been talking about um, the new awareness from this particular incident that uh, you should have stuff with you in your car at all time so that um, if you are trapped in your car in this type of a debacle that you, you can survive. You know, things like blankets and, and water, uh, whole new, a whole new level of awareness. You know, there are things I've been meaning to get for a few years, things that I've gotten my saved for later in my Amazon cart that I just haven't bought. And now I'm thinking it's time to get them. The little gadget that, that you can smash out of your window if you get stuck in the car, mm -hmm. um, extra water, things I just never got. But or the only thing I have is a blanket. Well, a blanket's a good thing. Food is a good thing. Um, and, and none of the uh, articles I've read did I see something that's very important. If you're trapped in your car and there are hundreds, potentially thousands of other people trapped in that same situation and there aren't gas stations nearby and there aren't, you don't want to leave your car too far behind, there's no place to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> perhaps a, um, a convenient portable you know, bathroom item might be helpful. 
Absolutely. One of the things that struck me about what people were doing on I-95 was, you know, people had their lights on overnight, which, of course, was using up gas. But they were so considerate. People were getting out of their cars, obviously, to go to the bathroom. People turned their lights off when they saw other people going to the bathroom to give them privacy. I was once in a situation like that. There was uh, I was on I-91 between New Haven and Hartford, which is basically a stretch without easy access to, you know, uh, gas stations and stores and places where you're just trapped and there's nothing but trees going into the woods on both sides. And we, um, my son and I were trapped, uh, you know, we weren't trapped in the car. We could have gotten out, but we, again, the situation was such we didn't want to go too far. Uh, it went for about five hours of, of sitting in the car and people were all hiding, <laughs> hiding behind trees and things of that nature to uh, relieve themselves. Uh, you know, it goes back to the old thing um, uh, in my generation, I don't know about yours, but that uh, it's like you never go anywhere without underwear on because you may have an accident. I mean, an accident, a car accident. If you go you to want the- a car accident and you want to start looking at that astronaut underwear. That's Victoria Jones in the snowbound nation's capital. I'd like to thank my colleagues around the talk media world for their contributions to this radio program. Kevin Casey at Talkers Magazine. Harry Hurley at WPG in Atlantic City. Dr. Dahlia Wax at Genesis Communications Network in Las Vegas. Scott Sands at WSPD in Toledo. Danny Lipford at Today's Homeowner in Mobile. And Victoria Jones in Washington, D.C. Thanks as well to Josh Lang and the team at Talk Media Network. And of course, our growing roster of great affiliates on both sides of the Atlantic. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap, an overview of the national conversation. Looking back at the week of Monday, January 3rd through Friday, January 7th, 2022. Looking ahead... I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at michael at talkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening. The Michael Harrison Rap is a production of Good Phone Communications presented in association with Talk Media Network and Talkers Magazine. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.